You are listening to Damascus Crossroads. From Central Kentucky, welcome to Damascus Crossroads, a podcast for those who are seeking healing from addiction. Your host, Tim Altman, will be having real conversations about how the power of Jesus Christ can break the chains of addiction and deliver anyone from this bondage. If you are at the crossroads of your life between continuing a life of affliction from addiction or living a life of freedom, you've come to the right place. May today's message be your Damascus moment and open your eyes to renewal. This is your host, Tim Altman, with your Damascus Crossroads podcast. Podcast. Um, it's a beautiful day out there today in central Kentucky. Always a beautiful day with the Lord, Lord blessing us. Um, we just got so many blessings. I want to start with a with a prayer. Um, Lord, thank you for all of these blessings you give us, Lord. Thank you for our health. Um, thank you for our sobriety. Um, if there's anyone out there, Lord, that's struggling, struggling with sobriety and breaking the chains of addiction, um, please, please let me guide me and, and help me say the right things to to help them break them chains in Jesus name we pray amen um today I want to read and I'm gonna tie this all together with a with another story of mine something uh I met someone at rehab and uh, this kind of ties in with this um this is in uh the book of Mark chapter 5 they went across the lake to region of Garcinus when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs and, and met him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any anymore, not even with chains, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of, on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Okay, um, this man... Um, was definitely possessed with demons. Um, he shared a lot of the characteristics of, of somebody that, that was on drugs too, you know, um, you know, self-harming themselves, um, you know, not being able, you know, out of control, uh, naked, you know, it says in the book of Luke, he was naked too. Um, when he sell, when, when he, okay, I'm going to go on here in uh, verse six, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of this man, you impure spirits. I think this is this is um, kind of telling too. Um, this man ran to Jesus as his demons were crying out. Um, I think this is a whole, like me in rehab, you know, I was running, running toward Jesus and my demons were definitely trying to hold me back. Um, they battled me the whole time as I as I went through my rehab. Um, I went through trying to go to church, trying to go to AA meetings. Um, it seemed like they definitely did not want me to go. Um, but even, even as this man was running toward demon to Jesus, the demons were crying out, "You know, why have Thou come to torture us before our time?" Um, you know, it says in the book of Luke, that's what they said. No, don't torture me. Um, then Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" Now, the man didn't answer. His demons answered. The, the demons answered, Our name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. 
and he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. Um, you know, demons like to hang out in the same area, it looks like here. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I know the demons and the devil will be cast in the lake of fire, but it, it obviously wasn't, it isn't their time yet. Um, their time is going to the lake of fires after the battle, um, after Jesus comes again the second time. Um, but they probably didn't know this. Them demons and devils don't know the, all the plans Jesus got laid out for them. And, and, um, so, so they, they thought they were, you know, going to the bottomless pit. They thought their time on earth is, it was over. A large herd of feet, a, a large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hills. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs and the herd about 2000 in number, um, jumped off a cliff and drowned it in the sea. Now, that's how evil them spirits are that's, that's in us. If, if you was to put, I mean, the that spirit, them demons are getting watered down quite a bit when you throw them into 2,000 swines, but it drove every one of them mad and crazy. Um, that That's how evil and demonic them spirits are that we take upon us. When we do drugs, we take on these evil spirits, just like this guy took had, you know, in him. And we don't know what this man's issue was, what, what might have happened to him that, that caused him it possibly he, he could have had a mental illness. Um, you know, I'm not a big, I think a lot of your mental illness are demonic influence on people. And, and it's, um, I mean, they can't, I can't tell what a mental illness is. I mean, they can do some kind of brain thing and see a certain part of your brain's not functioning right. Um, the same tests show up things like that when you're on drugs. Um, what my show's about today is, is, when we have loved ones, you know, this show's not just for the people out there addicted to drugs. It's for the people out there that are dealing with people addicted to drugs. And one thing we don't want to do is if we have a family member that we've seen with strange behaviors and acting different, uh, and they've been normal functioned all their life, and, um, you know, they probably, I mean, just saying now, it's probably not a mental thing. They're not bipolar. They probably have a drug addiction. Um you know, and why I tell this story, and, and I'm going to tie this into another story here of, of somebody I met at rehab, a gentleman, um, is a lot of times people like to play um, Dr. Phil or, or, or especially atheists. They, they, they love to play that game, you know, like you got a mental illness when you're actually a drug addict. And this is dangerous because you're not doing anything to help that person and stop somebody just doesn't develop a mental illness overnight or, you know, saying, you know, this, you know, if you see somebody that's been normal functioning, like I said, and all of a sudden they totally change, they're stealing, they're robbing, they're, they're, they're going crazy. They're losing it. They've probably got a drug addiction. You need to identify the problem and, and get them help. Okay. If somebody's got a drug addiction problem, there is a 100% cure for that. Um, it's called Jesus Christ and it's called rehab and you need to get them there as fast as you can. Um, there was a man when I was in rehab, actually, and um, he came into rehab, strung out on meth, very bad. Um, a nice guy, you know, just ate up, you know, spun out. He actually, he had other family members, but he, you know, he, other family members, and they, other family members were concerned, but one, one family member decided to pay. He said, decided to play doctor, and, um, of course, there's going to be a kicker to this at the end. And he diagnosed this man with a with a um, bipolar schizophrenic disorder. 
he went around telling his whole family, and this guy actually took care of his mom, and him and his this guy's wife were the only people that really took care of this guy's mom. You know, one other brother helped some too. And he went and told the his mom, you know, and this guy would have to go get groceries, take her to the hospital, and he told this mother that he that this guy was, you know, um, strung out, uh, not strung out, but mentally unstable. He was crazy. Of course, it got this man very upset. So he started showing the same symptoms that he was being accused of by this brother. And, you know, he, he went around telling everybody and, and gaslighting them mostly, I, I would say, from, from the way I understood it. Um, you know, um, you know, and I said, that you, sh you know, maybe your brother did did think that you had a. Uh, mental illness, you know, it's possible, you know, when your people's on drugs, it, it can easily be identified as a mental illness. Well, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But what happened is, um, so he, he struggled and this went on for eight months, eight months, he was spinning out of control. He, he was doing um, massive amounts of this actually set everything in motion a lot worse. When this um, family member started attacking him with mental health issues, you know, and um, it really spun him bad. And uh, he started doing massive amounts of drugs. He, he actually, um, you know, he went down a bad road. Um, there was the bad, a bunch of bad things about having this man. And, um, you know, and all the time, um, you know, he could have been getting help instead of this brother playing uh, doctor or playing Dr. Phil. And, you know, the sad thing about come to find out on this story that eight months prior to him going to rehab, um, a local drug dealer had called this this family member and told him that he was spun out on drugs and out of control. Now, if this family member would have been nice, and this is why I want to tell people this is why I'm telling you all this. If that family member would have been nice, he would have used that information to confront this family member and get him help and get him sent to to rehab where he could have got help. And and, and but no, he didn't. He played he played he played games. He, he used that information evilly. And that's what I'm saying out there. People, if you've got people that, that turn you in for drug abuse and try to and send you to rehab, you better thank them. This guy was 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 tormented by this family member. Uh, in the meantime, he, he was getting dope that was cut with with um with stuff that was very hard on his heart. It destroyed his heart muscles. He's actually, you know, his his heart has actually shut down. His legs swelled up the size of a table leg, both legs. Now, if this family member eight months ago would have not tried to play Doogie Hauser, and he already knew that he he was on drugs, but he never mentioned that to anybody. He went around telling those family members he was crazy, and he damaged his heart muscles. Um, he 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 almost went to prison. Um, the meantime, that drug dealer was actually doing. Um, he had a family member doing affidavits on him, setting him up with drug deals. Um, but it's a long story. But basically. If you got a family member, what what the moral of this story is? If you got a family member out there that that all of a sudden just goes off the rockers, it's probably drugs. It's probably ninety nine point nine percent drugs. Identify the problem. Go to that. They they should have. He should have went to his other family members. Said, look, we need to talk to this guy. Uh, we need to get we need to get him some help. Um, you know, let's get him in rehab. He don't want to go. Will Casey Long? You know, too bad. And that's what I'm telling everybody out there. If you got family members that are doing dope, Casey Long. Uh, but no, this one, he had to play Dr. Fraud. And, and the thing about it is this guy, you know, his mom suffered because her mom wasn't getting the help or the care. He, this guy was in rehab now instead of the family getting him help. And because and, uh, of what this family member did, you know, the mother suffered. She didn't get the help she needed. And um, 
you know, and I told him, I said, man, I said, you just, you gotta, you gotta just forgive him, you know, and, um, he, he's going to have two choices. And, and, and this guy, you know, he, he was, he was really upset. I mean, he started, he, he, he was very upset, you know, and it's a good thing the Lord got a hold of his heart and, and told him to forgive this brother. And, um, and I told him that this is what, 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 what I tell everybody is that brother's going to have two, two choices, just like all of us. And what he did was, was low. He was a low life for doing that in a scum. Uh, but we have to forgive him. We sinned. Uh, that's why I told him we sin and, and he's going to have two choices. He'll either um, repent and find Jesus Christ um, as his Lord and Savior um, and he will go to heaven or he'll continue on the path he got that he's going on and he will burn in hell for eternity. So I said, just pray for him. Let him go. Uh, somebody like that, that, somebody that evil and sadistic, you can't, you know, I told him to, you can't be around somebody like that anymore because, you know, you got to forgive him in your heart. You got to move on. You can't take vengeance. You know, that's one thing he was. He, he was very upset, um, but he let it go, and, and he's moving on. You know, um, you know some of the damage that, 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 that this caused for his health and, almost, and his family almost, you know, his family, could he could have lost everything he owned due to this, uh, you know, family member not getting him the help he needed, uh, but he's learned to forgive, and, and he's, he's moving on. He's doing good. Um, I just think it's a shame, though, um, you know, and, you know, come to find out his brother actually – you know, this this person, his family, his brother, his family member sent him a tape recording, a message that the drug dealer had actually left him telling him this is after the fact. This is after he's out of rehab, after he's clean for six months. You know, this is about a year and a half after the incident. The message that this drug dealer left a year and a half ago, that would have been eight months before he went to rehab, telling him that he was a, that that this family member was on drugs, out of control, on methamphetamines. This house. That's how ate up it is. The drug dealer was turning, you know, telling this family member, hey, this dude's out of control on drugs. I know it because we sell it to him, you know. And yet this family member doesn't take this to the person he knows. And the drug dealer threatens this family member. So, man, this dude is really, he's top of the line Christian, man. And, and, and you know, it's um, it's one of them situations. And, and, I, and I tell stories like this um, just so y'all can be thankful for out there. When you have a family member that loves you and cares about you enough to um, get you help and get you to rehab, be thankful for that. Love them. You know, if this this family member would have would have would have helped him like he said you know he would have been mad but he would have forgave him but what he did you know it's like he said I, I just you know tell him to stay away from him you know pray for him that's all you can do with somebody like that sadistic you know but um anyways um you know jesus you know he crossed the sea he run into that madman and um you know he runs out can you imagine jesus like um you know jesus said you know come out of him demon leave him De jesus didn't diagnose him with schizophrenic maniacic uh, polar disorder um jesus didn't sit there and say well mr legion can can you tell me a story why you know about your childhood did you have a mean daddy or a mean mama or or did um you know mr legion um you know maybe you need to take up another hobby other than running around these tombs breaking up chains naked you know maybe you need to um take up golf or something or um Maybe we can prescribe you some Prozac or, or well Birchin, Mr. Mr. Legion. And no, Jesus didn't do all that. Jesus said, come out of him, demon. And that's what we got to do with our drug addiction. We can't play around. We can't do these diagnoses. We can't um, do this stupid stuff. It's stupid. Like Jesus said, come out of him, demon. Get out of here. Go. And that's what I tell the demon. I've, I've come to the point now, I'm, you know, all my life, I've made the deal with the devil. I, I've always said, well, I'm going to quit doing all these drugs. I'll just drink beer and chew tobacco, or, or I'm just going to do a little meth, or 
Um, I just snort some cocaine. It ain't as bad as man. You know, I have no, the deal I make with the devil now is I'm done. I don't compromise with sin, whether it's one beer, whether it's one joint, whether it's nothing, period. If it's rated R movie and got a naked girl, I'm not having no part of it in my life, devil. You're not going to take me back to that little stake and drive that in the ground and hold me no more and turn me into a son of the devil anymore. I got, I got no more. The only deal I'm making with the devil is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take and serve with the Lord. And uh, that guy I was talking about, he, he's he's hanging in there, man. He's doing good. His, his, his heart condition wasn't as bad as he thought it had gotten. Um, they had found his, when they did blood test on him in, in rehab, they had found many, many, um, agents that was being cut with that were very toxic to his body. And, and that's another reason that that guy's really upset too, is because if that brother would have told him eight months ago about what he knew, um, he, you know, th and got him help, you know, if all his family would have came, he got help. Cause as soon as this guy actually turned, this guy actually volunteered to go into rehab, um, because he's about ready to get arrested and stuff too. So it's a big mess. And he was spun out. Um, but he's doing better. The, the Lord has healed him. Um, he's going to church. He's forgiven everybody. He um, he's just thankful. You know, like like we all are. When we go through addiction and we come out the other side, you know, bad things happen to us in addiction. Um, you know, there's family members out there that don't have your best interests at heart, and, and that's what that's what's so heartbreaking. You know, people out there that got moms that, that love them and care about them, and um, loved ones, wives. Like I had my wife that loved and cared about me. And uh, she she stuck in there with me. And, um, you know, in my part of the family, it, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of family support from my side. This guy here, he didn't have no family support from his side either because that brother, that his brother, his fat family member, had poisoned his whole family against him and, and told these lies on him. So he, he not only, he had no family support from that whole side of his family due to this um, brother's lies. Um, and, and you know what, when it, you know, like I told him, I said, this dude's probably whacked out himself and he's a psychopath is what he is. That's why he would do something like like what he did. Um, so, you know, not everybody's got your best interest at heart, y'all. But if somebody, Casey, loves you and then they get you in rehab and you're on drugs, you better thank them. You better love them. Um, I will not hesitate to Casey Law anybody. If I have a family member that's on dope and I can get another family member to sign with me and they're out of control. And, um, you know, what's sad about this too, is I talked to the guy here a little while, while ago and this, um, same psychopath family member, he has a, um, nephew that's going through the same thing. He's, he's lost control. He's robbing from people. He's, um, doing things like that. He has a, <clears throat> he has a nephew that's, um, seems to be going through the same, same problems. He's, he's out of control. He's losing it. And, um, the same psychopath wants to die instead of getting this young fella or this young man help. He said that he's trying to diagnose him with bipolar disorder and all this other stuff instead of getting this young fella to a rehab place and, and going in front of the judge and getting him Casey Law. You know, he's doing the same thing to this nephew, just letting him suffer while he plays his stupid games. Um, you know, he makes me sick. Um, this person, you know, I've heard enough about him where now, just pray for him. Um, you got to love him. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. That's one thing as a Christian, like I told him, you know, I reminded him, you got to, you got to love everybody and forgive them and pray that they find Jesus. Um, and I told him to reach out to that psychopath and, and tell him, say, look, don't, don't play any more games. You know, 
this is a young man's life here. You can get him some help right now if you quit doing stupid stuff and and get him in front of a judge and and um, Casey Lom. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know it is kind of, but that's a story I want to tell you. I've met a lot of interesting people in rehab, and that guy had a lot of other extra interesting stories to tell. But they got a little bit far out. Um, sometimes um, truth is stranger than fiction. You know, some of these stories you couldn't make up if you tried. Some of the, what these people have been through. Um, I'll give one guy in there. He had um. His dad was an alcoholic, and he was a um, heroin addict, and uh, he always laid around in his basement. His dad let him stay down there. A pretty wealthy family, you know, just kids like model looks, athletic, you know, all this. But he got on heroin. He laid around the basement. His dad would get drunk, come down there and beat him, you know, and he was, you know, I think he was 20. So his dad got into it. His dad had a machete one night, come in there and um, come after him with a machete. Well, they get into it, and... um he doesn't remember what happened. He blacked out as he's fighting his dad and uh, he got cut a couple times, but he gets on a heroin binge, but he, he comes back five days later and he, he opens the door and his mom's sitting there crying. And, um, she, he said, what's wrong? And uh, she goes, your dad, he's, he's dead. How did it happen? When, when did it happen? And she just like, he, he said, she just collapsed and he passed out at the floor. He had, he had choked his dad out during the fight. Um, he got behind his dad and put him in a, um, a Gracie hole and um, shut down his oxygen and ended up killing him. Um, and um, this guy, he, um, you know, his story was like, it shook me a whole lot. You know, there was a lot of people in there, their stories, um, you know, and I don't like to go back. You know, like Kenny Chesney said, I go back. Jesus said any man that, you know, puts his, puts his hands to the plow and looks back isn't, isn't fit to be in my service, you know, and the devil loves to drag us back. He, he, and that's another important thing, you know, when, when people drag, you know, I even got loved ones that care about me that drag me back to my addiction and say, Tim, do you remember how, you know, do you remember this and what you said? And I'm like, and the weird thing about it, it, it they think they're helping me by remembering who I was and what I was, but it actually makes me, you know, it actually like, and then other addicts will tell you this too. It actually like triggers something that makes you want to go reuse again. So if, he, if y'all love somebody, just be careful about, you know, bringing up the past to them, you know, and especially if they if they found Jesus. It says in the Bible, Jesus forgets all your sins as if they have never happened, you know. So when we repent and, and you know, I cried, I repented, you know, the Lord's forgiven me of them sins. And I tried to apologize, you know, to people. And, um, you know, I leave it at that now. I got to move on. Like Jesus said, I got my hands to the plow. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep my eyes forward and and see who I can help out now. You know, I gotta leave a lot of people in my past. You know, certain family members, drug dealers. You know, friends that did drugs. I just gotta, you know, I can't if they want to look at me and see that wow, Jesus has changed my life, and then make a change himself, and I'll pray for him. That's about all I can do. But I gotta, you know, I gotta look forward. And um, we can't be like Kenny Chesney. We can't go back because what happens? You start going back, and you go back with everything. Then you start going back to your drugs. Jesus said a dog will return to his vomit. He goes back and, and a hog that's clean will will roll in its will roll back in the mud. Um just like us, y'all. Um that's why we can't we gotta look forward to what Jesus has got us. And um we're born again. Our our and the Lord has when we repent, truly repent in godly sorrow, the Lord forgives us of our sins and and as and they are as they never exist. So 
blotted out of your mind. You know, a lot of people, and then me, I'm the worst at it. I say, I want to hold on to that. I want to hold out so I can remember what I was so I won't do it again. Okay, here's the thing. I got it. The Holy Spirit tells me this. You're not going to do that again because you're with me now. You're, you did them things because you got on dope. The devil drug you back down into the hell hole. He drug you back to your dope. He drug you back to that little stake, like that elephant. He staked you in. You're not going to do it again. You, all that starts when you start to give in to the devil. When you start to make deals with him, when you start to let him tell you that a beer is okay or, or, or a rated R movie is okay or, or it's all right to have hatred toward a family, uh, a brother or, or be mean to somebody or cheat somebody. That's when that stuff starts. That's when that evilness starts. Stay away from sin. Flee from it like Paul said. You know, and like I said, I slip into sin, but I can tell you one thing. Since I've come out of rehab, I have not willingly ran into sin. I have not. In my mind, I used to, oh, man, I used to go meet my drug dealer. I'd call him on the phone. Hey, man, I need drugs, you know. Or, or I'd go in a liquor store with the plans of getting a pint of whiskey and a, and a case of beer. That was planning sin. Or I'd run home and watch porn, you know. I, I planned on it. That's planning sin. I do not live in sin anymore like that, period. Now, do me and my wife get into an argument, and then I say mean things a little bit for 30 seconds now, and I, and I have a fit? Yeah, guilty. Um, every once in a while do I catch myself talking about somebody, you know, when I shouldn't, you know, making a joke about, you know, something that, that maybe hurt their feelings and I shouldn't have. Yep. Guilty, you know, but I do not swim in sin. I will not live in sin um, anymore. I will not. I, I refuse to. I, I'm too. I'm not going to do it. I got too much godly sorrow. Even when I slip into sin now, I have godly sorrow for it. And, um, you know, I was watching Smiling Joe Olstein on on his service. You know, I just kind of curious, you know, he's like an inspirational speaker, you know, smiling Joe and uh, leading the whole stadium there to hell right behind him. And why I say this is because they have no repentance. He doesn't preach it. He's leading them all to hell. How can you get to heaven when he doesn't preach repentance? He, he says, live your best life. He wrote a book, live your best life now. If, if you're following his advice, and you're following him, you're living your best life now. He ain't lying because you're going down south, okay? You have to repent. And that's another word I haven't used on this, y'all, repentance. Jesus preached more about repentance than he did love. Uh, and that's one thing I realized is it's so important. We have to repent and stop sinning. when you. It's so important, y'all. Um, the prosperity gospel just doesn't preach repentance. Um, it preaches better life now. It preaches Jesus is a vending machine. Can you do you under... They say God doesn't doesn't wants me to be rich. No, He doesn't. He wants you to be godly. He wants you to love one another. He told you. He told us all the things He wanted from us. And being wealthy was not one of them. In fact, He said it's harder for a rich man to go to die of a needle than to get to heaven. Wealth is nothing but a hindrance to get you to heaven. But I'm, you know, compared to the rest of the population, I'm probably in the top one percent of the population wage wage earners. That's how poor people are throughout the world. And I'm so blessed right now. Um. I'm blessed with what the Lord gave me. And, um, you know, everybody out there holds strong. I think, you know, every week I want to kind of spotlight, you know, kind of spotlight a drug. And, and um, I'm going to talk about methamphetamines right now and do a quick, quick run up on it. That's the drug I was hooked on. That's the drug I, I, I love the most. Um, it, it was actually invented by the Nazis during the First World War or Second World War, as far as I know, um, to keep their troops going. Now, it was very regulated in the German army. You weren't just allowed to swallow it down whenever you wanted. It was given out on special needs bases and only could be authorized by 
medical the medical staff of the German army or SS divisions. Um, anyways, Hitler was addicted to it very bad. He um he had it mixed with vitamins. He actually shot it up. So he was a big time he was a big time addict. And I've talked to people that shot up meth. I've never done that. They said it. I said, "How's it feel?" And they said, "It feels like a freight train going through your body." They say it's more intense than anything you get from uh, heroin or anything like that. Now, why I want to um, the death rates have skyrocketed on methamphetamines overdose rates since 2021, and I didn't know they were so high. If I'm not mistaken, there was almost 50,000 deaths last year from methamphetamine use. Okay, um, over half of them are related to fentanyl being cut in with the methamphetamines. Okay, um, so everything's being cut with fentanyl right now. Methamphetamines, marijuana's overdosing people because it's being sprayed with fentanyl. There's nothing out there safe to use, y'all. In fact, I listened to a podcast with a mother that was crying because all her son did was smoke marijuana, and now he's dead because of fentanyl poisoning. And she didn't mind him smoking marijuana because it was harmless and and now she's so mad at, the, you know, that, at drug dealers for putting fentanyl on. They ought to get murder charges. You know, I don't want to be mean, but maybe you should have said something to your son about smoking marijuana, you know. Um, but, you know, I do understand her point, too. You know, it's not cool for somebody to get marijuana and have it sprayed with fentanyl. I do understand. Now, I'm going to tell you something dangerous about meth right now. And I think I got a hold of a batch one time. Um, law enforcement, when they put a strangle on the, the Mexican-grade meth that comes into this part of the country, everything it, it pops up. People go back to bathtub meth, uh, shake and bake, which is very deadly. In fact, I wouldn't even do meth back in the day. When that's all that was around, I would not do it. But um, this time I was really hooked, and um, somebody brought me something that was white, a powder. And I actually hallucinated for several days on it, and I actually threw it away. I didn't do but a few lines. My wife got really scared because, you know, I started seeing, like, weird stuff, like, I seen like demons and I had, um, I was, it was like during hunting season. So I was freaking out in the deer stand, you know, and stuff and I started tripping out. And, um, I, like I said, I threw it away, but what I think it was, it was, it was what they call what's so dangerous. I think it was called wasp spray, spray raid deadly y'all. Um, and actually if they do it, I guess whoever done this wasn't even done right. Cause it looked like old bathtub Nazi crank or something. They used to call it back in the day. Um, but man, this stuff spun me out big time. Um, and um, so anymore, you know, when the Mexican grade meth is in, it, it's it, it's bad for you. But when the home when they bust that down, the DA puts the hammer down and chokes that out. That's when it gets really deadly for the meth head. When this wasp spray raid and this bathtub meth, and um, you're starting to get stuff that that, that somebody, some hillbilly that can't even pass um eighth grade math is cooking meth with scientifically with 18 million poisons they, they use. And if you don't get all these poisons right and reacting right, it forms a deadly, I mean, it's just unrefined death. Um, and actually, I I could actually, I, one time I did some, you know, I was doing bathtub meth um, for a few years off and on, you know, kind of weekend warrior. And man, my teeth started rotting out and just like, you would actually feel your body almost like you were dead. Um, and then the Mexican high quality grade meth came around and you could actually do that every day without feeling the and brush your teeth. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't near as more refined. It wasn't near as hard on you. I mean, it still enlarged your heart, still killed you the same, just took longer to do. Um, so I just want to highlight meth. Um, meth is very, very deadly. I was reading about it. Um, what it is, is it, it actually destroys certain pleasure reactions you have in your body. When you do meth, it, 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 it spikes your dopamine levels four to nine times. 
higher than normal. Um, and without it, you can't feel pleasures um, and stuff like that. And, and I, you know, there's certain things I don't enjoy doing anymore. I'll just be honest that I love doing math. One of them I can talk about is like working. I love to work. I love projects. And now I just, you know, I really, you know, I go to work, do my eight hours and come home and uh, I'm not crazy about it. Um, and I realize that's just something I got to do without, you know, and the devil tries to say, hey, Tim, remember, remember how you enjoyed this when you was on meth? Why don't you just do the meth while you're, while you're doing that? Or you got to get some work done. You know what I say? No devil, no devil, not doing it. Mm -mm. I, I'll just go and I won't do the work. I mean, I, my house falls apart or whatever. I'm not doing math. I'm not going to get triggered. And that's why a lot of people, they want me to do handyman projects and stuff. And I got to, I got to just stay away from them, you know, cause they are triggers for me. Um, but, um, you know, we're going to talk about some other drugs. Um, but I kind of want to highlight meth and, and tell people out there to stay away from it. There's not, it's not safe anymore. Even the Mexican high quality meth, um, Mexican, we used to call it, uh, what was the name we used to call it? Heisenberg, you know, Mexican lab dope, you know, high quality meth. Um, it's even being cut with fentanyl now because fentanyl is more addicting. And I don't know at the end, I don't know what the issue is with my dope, but I felt like it was a pain. Like I would be in so much pain when I woke up cause I'd work, you know, 20 hours a day. And when I get up, I would sleep my four hours. I'd be so, I couldn't even walk and I'd do, I'd do some and, and like all the pain went away. It was like a painkiller. So I don't know if there was a small amounts of fentanyl in the dope I was doing too. Um, Possibly they didn't find any yet. They found a lot of other stuff in my dope up there at um, Isaiah home when they tested it, MDMA and a bunch of other junk, but they, they didn't say anything about finding fentanyl in it uh, when they did a blood test on me when I entered in. But um, God bless y'all. Um, stay away from dope. Drugs bad. Uh, this is your brain on drugs. Um, you know, I think methamphetamine has definitely destroyed a lot of me. I mean, it destroyed a lot of, it, it's left a lot of empty spots in me. Uh, I was a long-term user, heavy user, uh, and I wish I'd have got help sooner. But um, all in all, I, I, like I told the wife, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Um, I get, you know, I'm, I'm with Jesus now. I'm stronger than ever. I realize where I went wrong. I learned to repent of my sins before I started doing meth, and I was just doing Adderall, drinking some beer, and, and she actually remembers them times. She says, oh, we were so happy back then. I was miserable. I was more happier when I was strung out on meth than I was when I was popping Adderall once or twice a week and, and drinking a bunch of beer and chewing tobacco. I was miserable. And she's like, we were so happy. And, and I was on my way to hell back then before that. She goes, well, we'd go to church once in a while and watch a preaching show. And I was still on my way to hell. I never repented. I never prayed. I remember I would pray uh, at night, but I never repented of my sins. I never read the Bible. Um, I never tried to cut sin, like all the Adderall and the beer out of my life and all that. Um, so I'm glad this all happened. If I'd have kept on that road and they never would have reached the depth of, reached the depth of my addiction, I could have, you know, I may not be where I am right now. So all things work for good for those that love the Lord. So I definitely love the Lord. And, um, you know, I was listening to, um, uh, preach other night and, and we don't want to go to heaven and say, um, you know, say, say to God, um, uh, you know, I testified in your name. I, I witnessed in your name. I'd perform miracles in your name. And Jesus looks at you and say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's scary because I don't want to get up there and that happened to me. But one thing he says to them people that I never knew you, that means they never had that born again, eye-opening experience with Jesus. Okay. So that sets me at ease a whole lot because I've had that experience. I felt the power of the Lord. I felt the Holy Spirit come through me. So he must know me, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I can go sinning and still get to heaven, you know, but it puts me at ease because that's kind of, it says many will go to the broad way to hell and 
narrow is the way to heaven. So, hey, y'all keep on the narrow road. Um, if you're clean, stay clean. If you're not, bow that head, repent, and pray to the Lord. And I'll see y'all in a few days. Hang in there. Thank you for listening to Damascus Crossroads Podcast. If you like what you hear, follow us for more episodes. You can also visit our website by clicking the link in the description below. We'd like to thank Andrew Osinga for granting us permission to use his song The One True Thing on our podcast. If you haven't checked out his music, you're missing out on great praise and worship songs with uplifting messages. May God bless your day, your week, and keep you strong in your faith.